0: everybody, and welcome back to the Outbreak Podcast, an outlet for discussing creativity and the great beyond. We also discuss everything from gaming to film to the dark and dreary corners of the Internet. I'm your host on this wild ride, William Key. We've got a lot to talk about today uh, in terms of news-wise, lots of gaming stories. But first, I thought I'd go over some of the things that I've been watching, actually haven't been doing a lot of gaming this week. Uh, I, I've been kind of putting off getting back into Breath of the Wild. That game is far too daunting for me. Uh, I, I have I have this sort of hesitation when it comes to starting massive games like this. And this is why I, I've been holding off for more than a year to start Fallout 4, because I know that as soon as I get sucked into that, it's going to take me a year to finish. That was my concern with Ghost of Tsushima last year. It took me six months to finish that game. Breath of the Wild, I'm probably barely even scratched 10% of the game, and it's already taken me the equivalent of six to eight hours of playtime. I'm going to get back to it eventually, but it's it's a challenging game. I, I would almost compare it to the equivalent of a Nintendo Souls-like game, like the Dark Souls games, but I, I, I will eventually get back to it. I, I just I need to sort of work up the, the courage to sort of throw myself back into that world. Not to say I don't enjoy my time with it, but I'm just... I I don't know. I I just haven't really been on a gaming binge recently. But as you can tell by some of the things I'm going to talk about today off the top, I, I have been watching a lot of TV shows. Uh, first off, I want to start off with this show that I started and finished in the cor- in the matter of about a week. It's called Archive Eighty One. It's a new uh, Netflix miniseries that debuted uh, middle of January, and it's actually based off of uh, apparently a very popular podcast that involves uh, an audio archivist uh, by the name of Dan, who's been hired for this kind of mysterious job to review catalog and uh, repurpose these old audio tapes that involve uh, a woman that is doing some investigations into a apartment building uh, that may be tied to the disappearance of her mom. It was an interesting premise, uh, but I found that by the time the series really started figuring out where it was going, it just kind of trailed off for me. I really like, and I was talking about this uh, with somebody at work yesterday, I really like the idea of a horror streaming series because this, this was kind of, you know it was laid out like a supernatural sci-fi mystery horror it, it was all these different genres it wasn't outwardly scary but at the same time the thing, the issue i have with a lot of horror series is that they they pump you full of this sort of atmospheric horror off the first couple of episodes they're trying to set the scene give you a couple of weird like scares here and there but they're trying to set up this atmospheric horror by the time they finally reveal the big monster or the big bad, then that's when the action really starts to kick up, and that's when it seems to get less interesting for me. But I really enjoyed um, slow burn films uh, by like Ari Aster, like *Hereditary*, *Midsummer*, because they keep they keep that sort of slow burn going throughout the film. It ramps up here and there, but they have a lot of moments of just these sort of long pauses, and you're sort of just left uneasy. In lots of areas i kind of wish that there was a way that they could take that and translate it to uh, a television series and i think that uh, mike flanagan is sort of picking up on this with the haunting of hill house i think that was the best example of a horror series that really you know kept it going from start to finish bly manor that the follow-up to it was not as good but I think he's on the right track. I have not watched Midnight Mass, which is his most recent one, Uh, and it's actually on my list, so it's one that I'm going to actually take a look at. But unfortunately, as much as I liked the premise for Archive 81, I was not a huge fan. I recommend it if you're a fan of the podcast, go and take a look at it. I've never listened to it, uh, but I watched the trailer. I thought it would be interesting, but of course trailers are trying to sell you all the best material from the show and put it together for this exciting trailer. Um, Unfortunately, I wouldn't recommend this series uh, to somebody who just wants to watch it as, like, an average viewer. Now, one series that I do recommend you watch, if you're interested in the stupid drama, like, kind of hot people uh, television shows like The Bachelor, this one, uh, if you guys haven't heard, is uh, Too Hot to Handle. Me and my wife just finished season three. And, again, Too Hot to Handle is a lot more of the idiocracy and these sex crazed individuals who are thrown on an island thinking that they're going to be on a completely different show but then it turns out oh my god they're actually on too hot to handle a show where you throw all these sex crazed middle 20s people onto this island and they can't they can't kiss each other they can't have sex with each other and, and they're all like all wound up with all this energy and they can't they have nothing to do season three went pretty far actually it got pretty extreme with the um the amount of people that uh were on this show and the amount of people that actually made it to the finals was very surprising they definitely pushed the boundaries of of what they could possibly do um with the rules there was a lot of rule breaking that happened this season there's been a lot of holdback back from Prior seasons in terms of contestants, but of course, the uh, robotic host Lana is always sort of switching the game up and and throwing these curveballs for the contestants. And the one thing I absolutely dislike about this show is the dramatic pauses, the dramatic holds, which I know is for editing purposes, but it, it's so long. It is so long and drawn out, and it's like you could cut a couple of seconds off of that. You know you're kind of wasting your minutes here trying to make all these episodes an hour long and they're stretching this drama out for over 10 episodes so if you love these sort of stupid like reality tv dramas and you also like to look watch hot people be stupid and try to contain it within their pants and they can't watch too hot to handle it's on netflix there's three seasons right now and there's other seasons from, that take place in other countries as well I think there's a Brazilian version of Too Hot to Handle which is also available if you live in Canada so go t- check that out as well as well I started uh, two new series uh, we, we finally picked up Crave TV so we have an account for that so I was able to actually tune in uh, to watch the first a bit of the first episode of Peacemaker over on HBO by far one of the best uh, television intros I've ever seen uh, if you haven't watched it you can see it online on YouTube they put the intro for Peacemaker up there it's hilarious and it's amazing. I like I was in awe from start to finish. I'm like I can't believe they did this and for a superhero show, this is amazing. And also, finally, I've started on Disney Plus. They finally released the first two seasons of Atlanta, which is Donald Glover's uh, comedy drama series that people have been waiting with bated breath for a third season, which is debuting at the end of March. So it's a gr- it's a good thing they put the first two seasons out because I can actually get caught up. And there's only 20 episodes. Uh, and I believe they're about half an hour an episode. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be able to catch up on this. I'm really enjoying I haven't fi- I've actually just finished the first episode and I'm really enjoying it so far. I love all the characters and it's such a interesting show. So I will have more to say on this as I watch it further. But I will follow Donald Glover to the end of the earth, man. That, that guy can do no wrong. Uh, why don't we actually get into our major stories for the day? So first off. Uh, earlier in the week, Electronic Arts and Lucasfilm Games did announce that they are working on three new Star Wars-related titles over at Respawn Entertainment. This came uh, courtesy of EA itself. They released a press release that said that uh, Respawn Entertainment, w- who are best known for Apex Legends, for Titanfall, and for Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, is leading the development and production of three new projects. Uh, the founder of Respawn, Vincent Bella, will oversee this new phase of EA's relationship with Lucasfilm, building on Respawn's award-winning history in game development and expertise in telling compelling Star Wars stories. So obviously one of the titles that they're working on is the next title in the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order series. Whether it continues Cal's story from the first game or if it's going to tell a completely different Jedi story, it remains to be seen, but suggests that it's probably going to continue to follow Cal. The second title, I believe, is going to be a first-person shooter, as well the third title is going to be a strategy game developed through a production collaboration with the newly formed studio Bit Reactor. So Douglas Riley, who is the VP of Lucasfilm Games, did say that they are excited to continue working with the superbly talented developers at Respawn. They have demonstrated excellence in telling epic Star Wars stories along with best-in-class gameplay across different genres. And they are looking forward to bringing more amazing experiences to the galaxy far, far away. Jedi Fallen Order was very well received. In fact, I think it was EA's best-received Star Wars game coming on the back of some of the failure of the rebooted Battlefront games, um, you know, with all the controversy around microtransactions and loot boxes and everything like that. I think Star Wars Battlefront was one of the games that was kind of put on blast for that. So it's nice to see that through this uh, story-centered game, Jedi Fallen Order, that Respawn and EA are are building upon their relationship with lucasfilm to create some new games in this star wars universe you know star wars is just as much prevalent in today's modern society as marvel is right Uh, and obviously both under the umbrella of disney you know we're seeing new titles of film television and games from marvel and star wars is also there as well with uh they have new film projects in development, nothing in pre-production yet, but they've got television shows, like we've got Book of Boba Fett, which is also on TV right now. The um, Mandalorian Season 3, they're working on Obi-Wan Kenobi and Ahsoka, also all under the umbrella of Disney+. Plus. So the fact that they're releasing the games as well, it just means that they're going to continue to keep pushing the Star Wars agenda further and further and further. And people with with these three different titles, which are all completely different styles of gameplay. If you're into first-person shooters, this might be up your alley. And if you're into strategy games, this will also be up your alley. We don't know any further details upon this, but the fact that they're giving us Star Wars in different genres of games, it means that they're trying to hit a wider audience, right? Right. Not everybody who plays Warhammer also plays Call of Duty, but they're hitting two different audiences and hoping that the Star Wars name will draw them in. Only time will tell to see if this will actually be successful, um, but I am looking forward to seeing the official announcements on what these games are actually going to be. Because right now we don't really know, aside from the first one, which is that it's going to probably get a Fallen Order sequel. That, that seems to be all but confirmed, considering Respawn worked on the first. So we will continue to watch the story as it unfolds, but for now, we're going to move on to our next story. Now, I know amid the controversy surrounding this company, I did say that I wasn't going to talk about them until um, things were resolved. But I think considering last week's big landfall announcement of Microsoft purchasing Activision Blizzard, I think that we're sort of on the, the path towards a brighter future with this company enough so that I... I feel a little more comfortable talking about their projects considering the fact that this week as well they have announced that they are working on a brand new IP. So this comes to us from PC Gamer. Blizzard Entertainment has revealed this week that they are working on a brand new survival game that is set in a whole new universe. Not much is really known about this aside from a couple of photos that have been released and the studio has said that they're Going on a journey to a whole new universe home to a brand new survival game for PC and console, a place full of heroes we have yet to meet, stories yet to be told, and adventures yet to be lived. A vast realm of possibility waiting to be explored. So they're labeling this as a new AAA survival game, not a a spin-off of an existing Blizzard game, but it will be a brand new IP for both PC and console players. Now, no doubt this is in the early stages of development. Uh, By the time we get the final deal uh, on Microsoft purchasing Blizzard for X amount of dollar that we found out about last week, good chance that this could potentially be a Xbox exclusive game. Because they said PC and consoles, it's still early to say, but I I have a good feeling that this will probably be an Xbox exclusive, which means it'll hit Game Pass, which means it'll hit PC. Uh, We don't know where what is going to happen with this Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal, but that's the looming story here. With all the new IPs, with all the games that are in development over at Activision Blizzard, what are, what are other players going to be getting? Like I said, this announcement that Blizzard uh, put out only came with two images. Neither of which say much about what is coming. One of them had a couple of kids in a park who stumbled upon a portal to a strange fantasy world complete with a floating castle. And you God knows I love my floating uh, castles. And then there was an elf-like character wearing some kind of big bird costume, who may or may not be preparing to spring toward a magic mirror hanging on a tree. I have no freaking idea what this game is going to be. I don't think anybody does. Now, I'm sure there are people on both sides of the coin that are, A, you know, excited that Blizzard is working on a new project, you know, the loyal... Blizzard fan base that play the games like the Overwatch and Diablo, World of Warcraft, Starcraft. But then there's the other side of the coin that there's the scandal uh, going on with Bobby Kotick, uh, with Blizzard and and staff at the company um, and all the sexual harassment claims and, and the um, discrimination towards minority and certain gendered individuals. That scandal is still looming pretty heavy, and it looms heavy especially after Microsoft announces their bid to buy this company. That was sort of the light at the end of the tunnel, I think. So it's very strange that we're getting a new IP announcement from Blizzard at this time, but I'm hoping that it's a game, and I'm hoping that the company is at least making an effort to change their ways. Unfortunately, right now it's hard to say, with Bobby Kotick still in the CEO position, at least for the next year until this deal is done, there's going to be a dark cloud looming over this company's head. So I don't know if a lot of people are going to be very excited about this new game, especially considering that they haven't really given us much to go on. Yeah, that's basically all I have to say on that. I do want to continue this talk uh, about Microsoft Activision Blizzard, because our next story actually does delve into this very specific, very specifically Activision. So According to Bloomberg, Activision is still planning to release its next three Call of Duty games on both Sony and Microsoft consoles. Obviously, this report uh, should be a side of relief to fans who were worried that with this deal that Call of Duty would just be pulled out from the Sony stores and it would just go Xbox exclusive. Activision has already committed to bringing the next few Call of Duty titles to PlayStation sometime before Microsoft's acquisition was announced. Of course, Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer did say that in responding to Sony's statement about keeping Call of Duty on the PlayStation Store and honoring their prior deal, that the company does intend to honor their existing agreements. So it seems like Activision's commitment with Sony will stay in place. To talk about some of the upcoming games, this includes a brand new Modern Warfare game, this includes another Call of Duty game from Treyarch, as well as another planned iteration of the uh, free to play Battle Royale shooter. Call of Duty Warzone. The Call of Duty discussion is going to be very important in the next year or two uh, as we get closer to the end of this deal. It's still too early to say whether or not Call of Duty is going to continue to remain uh, multi-platform or if Phil Spencer is simply just trying to smooth things over at the moment and whether their actual intention is to ultimately pull all of their Call of Duty players away from Sony and only allow PC and console gamers to play Call of Duty. It, again, it's still early to say, but Phil Spencer seems to be suggesting that Call of Duty is going to continue to stay on PlayStation. So you can only really take his statement verbatim at the moment. We don't know anything. It's all a discussion right now. And I believe that it's a discussion that's going to continue to be had until we actually get any changes in Phil's, Phil's uh, statements. Sony is, of course, very worried about losing uh, these big titles from Activision Blizzard because with Call of Duty Warzone, it's one of their biggest battle royale games on the Sony pla- on the PlayStation platform. To lose Warzone uh, and to lose Call of Duty would mean that they now have to come up with another even bigger, better first-person shooter to compete with the likes of Call of Duty. And it would have to be either Sony-developed or they would have to... Start to invest in the content wars. Perhaps purchasing a company that makes a first person shooter that is basically akin to competing with Call of Duty. Like, for example, who owns DICE right now? You think that Sony would go out of their way to purchase DICE to have Battlefield exclusively on Sony consoles? That would be a little extreme, but honestly, would not be outside the realm of possibility at this point since companies seem to be sweeping each other up left, right, and center. Next up, this story came out of nowhere, and actually, somebody posted a link to the trailer for this game on um, the Yumi Capri server that I follow on Discord. Uh, I had never heard of this character, uh, Cow the Kangaroo. Uh, apparently, it, publisher uh, Polish studio Tate Multimedia is making a comeback with a character that they had introduced in the early two thousands, Cow the Kangaroo, which is basically a kangaroo with boxing gloves who I guess led his own series of platformer games back in the early 2000s on the PlayStation 2. Now, Tate Multimedia, I didn't know really anything about this company until I looked them up online. Apparently, they're only really known, not only for Cow the Kangaroo, but they had also done some other smaller titles. Like I'm looking at them online now. They did My Horse and Me Too back in 2008. Um, They did a couple of Cow the Kangaroo games between 2000 uh, and 2005. I watched the trailer. I got very excited for this. This reminded me of like an OG platformer game, like a Spyro the Dragon, like Banjo-Kazooie, Ukulele. This is like, it's the fifth installment in their Cow the Kangaroo franchise, Um, the first one in more than 15 years since Mystery of the Volcano back in 2005. It has been a long time since we've seen this character, and this character is a relative unknown unless you've played the games i didn't know anything about this character but i just got excited for the trailer based off of what i saw gameplay wise i'm like oh i want to play some more og 3d platformer games like give it to me please so i hope that despite this company's resume that they can knock this out of the park and really really bring back this 3d platformer genre in a big way on some of these larger consoles um, you know, obviously Nintendo is still king with 3D platformer games like Mario, but we're we're seeing opportunities with, you know, Crash coming back and, and Spyro, um, you know, surging in popularity again with all these sort of remasters of older games that with a, a title like this, it caters to new audiences and old, but it also brings Cow hopefully back into the spotlight and maybe there'll be a resurgence. Maybe people will look at him in a different way and... I mean, I'm already a huge fan of the design, a kangaroo with boxing gloves, now he's a, he's a double threat right there, right? He's not only got the strong legs to kick, but he can punch you in the face. And I've always said, there was this funny video of the guy who punched a kangaroo on a YouTube video and the kangaroo was just stunned. Imagine if it went a different way. Imagine if he was pa- punching cow the kangaroo. Now cow can actually punch back, so you've actually made like the ultimate weapon. Like you basically made like a kangaroo winter soldier. He's got, you've got a double threat right here. I would not mess with this character. Now, finally, I've got one story on the movie news related side, a story that kind of surprised me, but not really actually, when I kind of got both sides of the coin. So the actor, famous actor from Game of Thrones, Peter Dinklage, he made a comment in regards to uh, the casting and the decision to make a live action Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and keep it very close to the original story from the 1937 film. Now he didn't have an issue with the casting decision of Rachel Ziegler as Snow White, uh, Rachel Ziegler being the breakout star from the West Side Story uh, remake. He, was, he said in his uh, statement on the Mark Maron uh, What the F podcast, uh, you're telling me the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Um, take a step back and look at what you're doing here. It makes no sense to me. You're progressive in one way, obviously my, when he mentions casting a Latina actress as Snow White, but then you're still making that effing backward story about seven dwarves living in a cave together. What the F are you doing, man? Have I, do- have I done nothing to advance the cause from my soapbox? I guess I'm not loud enough. It just goes to show, uh, in this statement, that Peter Dinklage is no in no way involved with the Disney project. Not that anybody really thought he was. I'm sure that there was an assumption out in Hollywood that if they were doing a straight remake of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves that they would cast actual dwarf actors, and people would be first to think, "Oh, well, Peter Dinklage, he's a uh, like of the dwarf community. Like, he would be perfect for this." Well, uh, according to his comments. He is hoping that Disney will, you know, kind of look outside of the box and not just look at him as a a dwarf person, but as an actual actor and an actual person and that he can't only be known for his appearance. Disney attempted to set the record straight following the remarks. This comes after a report statement to The Hollywood Reporter from a Disney spokesperson. They said... To avoid reinforcing stereotypes from the original animated film, we are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community. We look forward to sharing more as the film heads into production after a lengthy development period." So listen, I think it's a, that it's great that they are consulting with members of the dwarfism community. I'm all for that. But why did it take Disney to come out and make this comment after Peter Dinklage's comment towards the film? I think that if you were to, when you're casting Rachel Ziegler, when you're announcing that you're even going to be remaking a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs film, I think you need to be honest and upright at the beginning about the story that you're trying to tell and understand that there are going to be some criticisms and some stereotypes that are still centered around this film. There are certain Disney films and and TV spots and specials that have not aged well, and a lot of them that may not even be rebootable. In modern day, you, there's a lot of, of old Disney films that are just distasteful, um, and some of them that don't even show up on Disney Plus. I, I don't have any in front of me, but I remember that there were some Disney films and some Disney projects that touched on on topics that did not age well. In a way, if you look at Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, this is a project that has not aged well. They tried to they've attempted to do this with Snow White and the Huntsman to reboot this film. But the problem is, if you're going to take an approach to, the, to a film like this and you want to stay true to the original source material, yes, this is a good idea that you are consulting with, with members of this community and the best way to possibly tell the story. But just be upfront with people after you announce this project. If they had come out and said this, Peter Dinklage wouldn't have had to go out on, on a podcast and, you know, announce his distaste for the fact that they've done nothing because he didn't. Obviously, he didn't know that disney had been speaking to people behind the scenes i think he just assumed that they were going to just make a straight film adaptation of this so i don't know disney i am glad that you came out and you you actually made this uh comment you know in the statement i think it's a little too late for that i think that you should have just gotten ahead of this Again, I don't think anybody was predicting that Peter Dinklage was going to go off on Disney about this. In fact, it probably ruins any potential relationship that he could develop in the future with Disney. But yeah, I think that if you're going to touch a film that has potential stereotypes that might not be okay with a certain community, you might want to get ahead of it. Get you know, make a statement a little sooner uh, and address the work that you're going to do to try to you know convince people that what you're doing is is right and it's going to honor that certain community. This coming from a straight white male himself who unfortunately can't relate to a a lot of these different, you know, cultures and diversities, unfortunately. So it's easier for me to say that, but anybody who has a comment on this and and has their take on this specific story, please let me know because I'm, I'm very interested in, you know, learning more because I, I tend to plead ignorance on a lot of things like this because I I don't like to get involved in in a lot of the discussion involving like race and uh, stereotypes and stuff like that because I don't I don't like to pretend like I know everything because I don't I don't know everything but I definitely do appeal to both sides of, of this right like, like I mentioned I do appreciate the the, the statement I do appreciate Peter Dinklage's Comments on this because I think it is very important that an actor of his caliber is known for much more than his stature. Um, he can't only be known for his dwarfism. He needs to be like he needs to be put on a pedestal and recognized for what a great actor he actually is. And he's shown that with you know the work he's done on Game of Thrones, you know the further work he's done in film. Uh, he's got an upcoming film coming out, uh, Serrano, which I hear is going to be pretty good. So let me know what you guys think if you're listening to this uh, and what your thoughts on this story I'm going to move on to uh, our poll question of the week so obviously last week you guys know it was the the big Microsoft Activision Blizzard story as we've been discussing but I want to get your take on this I want to I wanted to find out that if you guys thought that Activision that uh, Microsoft would maintain exclusivity of Activision titles like Call of Duty and Overwatch so over on the Podcast Outbreak Twitter account, 67% of you said no, 33% of you said yes. And over on at Will Key, it seemed to be very similar. 57% said no, and 43% said yes. So a lot of you were leaning towards no, which is what I had suspected, because with a big shooter like Call of Duty, it is meant to be kind of played multi-platform, much like Minecraft, much like Rocket League. Much like Overwatch, you want to have as many different platforms to play a game like this as possible because that's your way of connecting people. That is the true meaning of the metaverse is when you can get these companies to all sort of work together to get people playing with certain players that they wouldn't normally play with. There are people who are playing COD Mobile with players who are playing on a Sony or Microsoft console. That's amazing. and That's something that 10 years ago I would have never expected to happen. Now this new poll question it's still keeping within the realm of activision blizzard but i want to ask you guys are you looking forward to this new ip from blizzard despite the scandal that is currently plaguing the company let me know it's a simple yes or no question if you guys are excited for this uh, potential new blizzard ip or if you're like not interested I, i you know i'm done with blizzard and done with what they're doing this scandal has just basically turned me off of this company and all their games which is fair you know it that kind of stuff does happen Uh, As well, I do want to announce next week's episode, next Saturday's episode, is not going to be a traditional numbered episode. Well, it is, but it's not going to be covering stories. Next week, I want to do another Q&A special. I haven't done one in about a year, but I figure it's been a long time. I figure now is a good time to kind of answer some more questions if you guys are interested in asking me anything personal. Uh, So, if you guys are interested, I'm going to be sending out a, a post on Twitter, on Instagram, on Discord. Uh, send me your questions either Twitter, Discord, Instagram, or we have an email for the podcast. It's theoutbreakpodcast at gmail.com. Send me your question, and I will do my best to get to all of them on next week's episode. As well, there's going to be a special bonus episode dropping at the beginning of next week. That's going to be a little more personal, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Alright guys, so that is it for the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in you can head over to my blog, wkey.wordpress.com, where I occasionally will post feature-length articles, news pieces, or general opinions on anything I find interesting. Over on the socials, you can follow me at on Twitter, at Podcast Outbreak, or you can choose to follow me on my personal Twitter account, at will Key. If you guys want to follow me on TikTok, you can search at William Outbreak. William Outbreak is what you can also search if you go to Redbubble, where you can find two designs there. We've got the Outbreak podcast logo, as well as I have this song on Rock Band. It's got a nice rain bow in the background it's got my silly face i'm wearing a bass pro shops hat as well because you know I want to be sponsored by bass pro shops i do wear their boots as well they're very comfortable guys if you want to join me on my discord server or subscribe to my youtube channel links are down in the show notes below as well if you guys are listening to this podcast on podbean thank y'all so much podbean does ship this out to all the listening platforms this includes the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn plus Alexa, Amazon uh, plus Audible, and so much more. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and have yourselves a great night.